back to Are Your Parents Proud of You? And I am your host, Matthew Schufreiter. And this week, no LJ. What? How? Why? Where? How? Sense? Smell? Taste? Hear? Touch? Everything. Uh, LJ is in tech, final rehearsals right now for a musical they are in called Anyone Can Whistle, the Sondheim one, you know, that one. Uh, so they are extremely, extremely busy and very, very lucky that you know, they could do a show. So if you see them, if you listen to this episode, comment on them. Tell them to break a leg. I'm, I'm excited for them. But anyway, they are extremely busy, so they didn't have time to come join me this week for our interview, or now my interview, with Peyton Chavez. Peyton is an actor and a playwright who from, who's from Indiana and now lives in New York. Uh, have their equity card. Uh, they wrote a play. Uh, that did open last summer in 2021. Yes, there was actual theater that happened in 2021. Uh, yeah, they did a play called How to Dispose of Your Dead Dad's Sex Doll. I sound really positive saying that title. But uh, Peyton and I have also met. We've done readings together this past year on Zoom. So we talk about that. We talk about uh, Peyton's time in Indiana, differences between New York and Indiana, Phoenix Theater, and uh, how she got really, really impressed that I know my trivia and all my uh, my research about her. Uh, it's a lot of fun. So here we go. Take it away. Well, hello, Peyton Chavez. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you doing, Matt? Matthew? Matthew, Matt. <laughs> um, great. Did you just have a stroke just now? <laughs> I forgot. Do people usually refer to you as Matthew or Matt? Uh, you know, I, it ranges. I think people just call me Matt for now or that guy. Okay. Cool. I, I usually go with Matt, so I'll say Matt. Perfect. Great. So I'm. Uh, how are things? What's like? You're currently in New York right now, right? Well, actually... Uh -oh. Matt, I'm in Indiana right now, so I'm actually closer to you guys in Chicago than I normally am. Um, but I'm just here for a couple of weeks. I'll actually be heading back to New York um, in a few days on Saturday. Um, so yeah, so I, I'm I'm just here visiting my mom. Right. How are things going? I know that you were in New York during. Hurricane Ida and then life kind of changed a little bit. How are you feeling since all that has start happened? Yeah, actually was not. I narrowly escaped. Yes, I narrowly escaped that hurricane. Huh. I came up the day before. Right. Yeah, you know, and of course, you know, I, I messaged a bunch of my friends back in New York and um, you know, my roommates, seeing like how everybody was doing, if they were okay, making sure that, you know, my shit wasn't wrecked, of course, <laughs> and all of that. And everything everything is is good with the people in my life. So that's good. Right. I was also thinking about you because you're one of the few people who seems to be making this comeback in certain terms of theater and arts coming back. You did two shows. You have your own show that you, is this true? You wrote, you wrote this play, right? Called, I did. Uh, I wrote that fucker. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of fucker, it's called how to dispose of your dead, dead dad, sex doll. First of all, <laughs> I didn't want to know. I don't, I was, I don't know. I don't want to know why you did it. I'm just curious why the title, how'd you come up with the title? 
Here's the thing. I wanted the title to very clearly describe what was going on. I didn't want to be all like mysterious about it. I and and plus I you know I I was originally maybe a little worried about it being kind of wordy, which it is, but I don't think it suffers for that. Um I I thought it was I thought it was pretty funny. I just think it's funny. And actually <laughs> the uh, and and you know exactly pretty much exactly what what it's about uh just by you know seeing the title i mean obviously it, do, it doesn't reveal absolutely everything i mean what title can maybe i'm not gonna try but no i originally uh the title went through a few different iterations uh i did uh name it after this article that i found this really gross but also strangely morbidly hilarious um article online uh check it out if you're curious it's uh seven ways to dispose of your sex doll so i initially um named it that uh but then i i I looked up a bunch of different short plays and i think i i saw like there were several short plays that are named like um number uh, x amount of number of ways to blah there are just so freaking many of those. I just thought, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be super uh, repetitive. So then it became um, how to dispose of your sex doll. And then I asked my friend uh, Jenny, who ended up playing the uh, sex doll. The sex doll does come to life in that show. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I asked her what she thought of the title. And she offered up the possibility of adding the words dead dad to that. Um, because there also is a dead dad. He's not a character, but he's talked about a lot um, in the show. And then I, I, I decided that that was perfect. So. That's the story behind the title. <laughs> Is this like the, your first play that you ever wrote or have you been noodling around with it? Not not the first play I've ever wrote, but the first play that um, was ever fully produced and staged and all that. Yeah. Awesome. And, you know, how did, I mean, it was a small, a small black box show, but, you know, you had an audience and been a long time what what I have to know because someone who has yet to do that what was that energy like being back the energy was fantastic okay so we only had a live audience for one of the performances their um tropical storm henry came in and kind of wrecked things for us for those you know the, the subsequent days and so the audiences were all virtual for those for those two days it was the, it was a three-day run uh but the first night was amazing it was so it was it was electric everybody was um masked and vaxxed uh, there's proof of vaccination for all of our um all of our patrons and everyone kept their masks up and over their noses probably we even had a yes right we love this um and we even had um some a couple volunteers a couple different volunteers come just to make sure just to make sure that everybody's masks stayed on because as um became clear in a, one the previous in-person show that I did masks just you know somehow mysteriously like to disappear off of audience members faces and just like slide down all creepily like that so we had some people come in you know per my suggestion to just make sure that those little buggers stayed up don't we love it when people forget that masks aren't a thing at times 
And you know what? I found that the the show it was it, it was noises off the first show that I did um, in person at the uh, Vino Theater, which my friend Jenny runs uh, with uh, Sour Grapes Productions. And um, what I noticed that there were there were a lot of people who did not appear to be from New York. They appeared to be visiting New York, and that's just just me like looking at them and and what they're wearing and what they're saying and just making like a little judgment call there. But in general, the um, there's there's a pretty strong general consensus amongst um, New Yorkers that masking is necessary and it's right. important. And most people understand that as we start to get more of a tourist presence and as, um, you know, the reopening of Broadway uh, approaches slowly, we're going to we're going to start to get more people coming in right. from. Well, I guess not slowly. It's opening back up this month. Oh, my I, God. I think so. Oh, my God. Time flies. Get back over there, Peyton. I got, I know, right? I got, I got, well, I got my equity card and everything. I'm ready to, I'm ready to freaking go. Um, but what was I, what was I saying? Yeah. As we start to get more tourists in and more people from different parts of the country with different values and different um, <laughs> opinions yeah. on the importance of masking, it's just going to be, it's, it's going to be another like little added challenge there. Fortunately, um, in order to see a Broadway show, you do have to prove, um, uh, vaccination status. I am pretty sure if I'm talking out of my ass, let me know, but I'm pretty sure that's the case because they need to keep the performance performers and crew safe and, and all of the audience members safe. The performers are not, are not wearing masks guys. It's not going to be like what a lot of theaters did during like the super height of the pandemic where there are performers wearing shields and clear masks and stuff like that. That's not what's going to be happening. So we're just so a bunch of measures needed need to be taken to make sure that those people stay safe, you know? Right. I didn't spend these last month at the Goodman doing box office in front of house bartending stuff. And every time we've had, you know, new patrons come in and rolling my eyes when I say, keep your mask up. My favorite, I, I, I really went up to someone. I go, excuse me. Uh, what what were you doing on January seventh? So what were you doing <laughs> this past November on uh, November sixth, seventh? I only remember it was like a whole week long thing. I just want your thoughts and your opinions. And then that's when they walk away, and somehow I have still have a job because of it. Oh my god! I have to keep remembering that. I have to keep reminding myself that Chicago is in Illinois. I, yep. I forget if Illinois went red or blue this time, but it, it tends to waffle back and forth, doesn't it? It's been a purple. I would say it's purple. It's been a purple. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, just like in, I'm, well, not just like Indiana. Indiana likes to stay red. It went blue in 2008 for Barack Obama. Yeah, but, uh, and not to get like super duper political, but like in, um, in Indiana, you get a lot of the same stuff. Like my, my mother and I went to the shopping mall and we kept our masks up the entire time. And according to her, I, I can never tell when people are staring at me anymore. It just, it happens so much that I just kind of tune it out. But my mother noticed it. Mm -hmm. And um, she said that people were, she told me that people were giving us dirty looks for wearing our masks indoors. And I'm just like, I really am not in New York anymore, am I? It's just so different. Right. So different. Well, speaking of different, I want to talk about young Peyton uh, because 
Yeah, why not? Because uh, you did grow up in Indiana, and you know, you how what were you like as a child? I know that your favorite school subject was social studies, and that's sort of how you became an advocate and an artist. But like, what how what were you like as a child? What sort of stories inspired you? I got a question. How the fuck did you know that? How did you know my favorite subject was social studies? I did I tell of, you that? Nope, I do my research. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. So what? Okay. Short, very briefly, repeat that question. <laughs> what were you like as a child? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a fucking weirdo, man. Like just from the very beginning, <laughs> I was never uh, normal. And uh, not to get too like deep, and not to get too like freaking dark or whatever. But I was a pretty angry kid. Uh, in high school in particular, just a lot of shit was going on that I had no control over that I, that was, you know, causing me a lot of distress. And really the only um, acceptable reaction to it was to get angry for some reason. Um, but yeah, um, I think ever since I was very young, I was a little, I don't want to say different, but yeah, you know, it's just kind of, kind of different for better or for worse, you know, physically and uh, mentally, I think, you know, sometimes, so I, I'm not gonna, you know, pretend to know what all is going on in everybody's head. But you know, I, and I, I often felt like I didn't fit in, in, you know, where I was growing up in Indiana, I, I, I grew up in the town that my, my mother's uh, place is now, uh, Fishers, Fishers, Indiana, which is a suburb Mm -hmm. um outside of the um city of indianapolis and uh just just like maybe like 15 minutes outside and um the population was always pretty um there was just kind of like a mold there was a, a kind of a mold of what was acceptable and the kind of like uh, you know the it, particularly when it when it comes when it came to the physical you know mm -hmm. I I don't know if you or any a listener or anybody knows this but I uh, am four feet and nine inches tall you probably know that from your I have research a feeling. We, we I keep casting you as like younger like I think you weren't you weren't, weren't you like one of my kids during a reading we did once I'm I'm sure I'm, I'm, I'm sure he was you know what? We, we did uh, It's a Wonderful Life. You played Little Zuzu. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I very often end up playing somebody's kid. I only just recently discovered that I could also play adults. <laughs> and I've been doing that more and more. I, I have a professor, and when I first met him, he was I was asking him about his career because he calls himself a character actor. And I was like, what makes you a character actor? And he goes, when I was in my 40s, I was still getting casted as people in his teens. I was like, <laughs> and he's not like, he's not short. Like he's average height for, for men, uh, but he was still just getting casted as teenagers. I mean, I'm 6'4", I'm, I'm getting casted as dad, sadly. Oh, so, I didn't know you were 6'4", Matt. I, I am a giant. <laughs> Exactly. Wow. You know who I also didn't know was really, really tall? Uh, Bo Burnham. Is he really? He is so freaking tall. Uh, look it up when you get the chance. Okay. I, I guess I have homework now for this. Yeah. Um, but were you a shy kid? Is that not to go back into that, but like, was that a reason for the anger or, or you just, you just couldn't fit in? 
No, the the reason for the anger had to do with um, some difficult childhood things going on within my family. Right. Um, I I've always been somewhat of an introvert, but also never really a shy kid, you know, especially, you know, when I got comfortable and this is still the case, you know, when I get comfortable and when I'm around people that I like, I just, I just go, ah, you know, I, I get, I get really big yeah. uh, once I get comfortable. What, but you know, if I'm not sure, I'm a little quiet. I don't know that I consider myself shy, maybe just anxious. Yeah. Where, were you shy when you, when you did uh, Annie Jr.? The <laughs> Which time? Oh, I don't know. Wait, there's more than one time. That part I didn't know. I did, I did it once at a now defunct community theater in uh, Fishers, Indiana, and also uh, in middle school when I was in eighth grade. Middle school. Is that your first time doing it? Doing a show? No, I don't believe so. Well, I only started doing community theater after that. So actually, I think, yes, yes. Um, but we didn't call it. I use the term middle school because that's, that's what people tend to understand. But actually, because there are so many freaking kids in my community, they had to split up the, um, the middle school into um, fifth and sixth grade. That was intermediate school. And then seventh and eighth grade, that was junior high. Um, so intermediate school, fifth grade, I would say would have been no fourth grade fourth grade was my first production i was in freedom bound at new britain elementary school what is that show if you don't mind me asking what do you think it is first freedom bound i or i'm gonna still you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna go with the idea that it's a basketball story about a young <laughs> basketball team who couldn't fit in and they need to be number one so they need to get their am i close <laughs> So when I first told my grandfather when I was a kid what the show was going to be, I, t- I told him the title of the show. And you know what he said? It's bur- the memories burn into my brain. He said, oh, my God, is it about slaves? Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> what was no. it? No, it's not that either. And it's OK if that's what you thought it was. No, it's not. It, w- it was about it was a story of uh, uh, Ellis Island and people emigrating, it would not have been appropriate to do a, a, a musical about slavery at my mo- my mostly white elementary school. Not a chance. So it was an Ellis Island thing. And um, I played, oh no, I didn't get a role, but I was there. <laughs> I'm so intrigued where this story's going, first of all. I'm all over the place, but I, I will I will get to a point. Um, I was um, I was in the chorus, and I had two really big solos. I was a really good singer, even from you know early early on. Started off in the children's choir and everything, and I was a really good singer. I I actually think, and this isn't conceit. This is just I I guess um, honesty. I I think I was the best singer in the show, but they did not want me go ahead and laugh that's fine no I, I no I'm not laughing at you I, I like the cockiness it's like I was the best no one else can deny it but here's the thing I didn't get um the lead role or I didn't get um any of the the, the roles with um with uh character names uh and I also happened to be uh, the only uh, black kid in the show, um, but I sang the part of the um, lead girl. 
Uh, so they gave her the lines and the character name and they had me sing for her. Mm-hmm. And I, looking back on that, it's just it's just a little odd because I've I've right. never um, I've never experienced that before and honestly I'll I'll just go ahead and say it was a little racist. I, <laughs> sounds, sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> what made you want to do theater? Uh, not to uh, kind of go back a little bit more. What made me want to do theater? I just um, I don't think I ever really thought about it. I just as as long as I knew it, it was a thing. Like the minute I I found out what theater was I always wanted to be a part of it I always wanted to perform um I started out singing didn't start doing musical theater I guess until fourth grade I was singing in the um children's choir at my family's church and then went on to the Indianapolis children's choir then started getting into musicals uh, which and I did a bunch of community theater musicals and stuff when I was in um middle school and high school and then I went on to straight plays and that's when my professional career started right. and guess what I, I just always knew that I don't know I it, it just always felt so so right and I felt like I was where I was supposed to be and I, I was felt so energized and alive and happy and high even you know when went on stage so it's just um yeah it's what I want to do yeah and then you went to Indiana University. Did you major in theater for that? <laughs> I, li- I like the reaction. This is what happens. I do research. I'm, you're not the first person to get weirded out by the fact I know all of this. No, uh, no, no. You're good, though. No, this, this is great. It's good that you do this research. I did, do, I did go to Indiana University, but I'm, what I'm sure your research didn't tell you is that I dropped it out. I you dropped, dropped out. out. No, I did not know this. Okay. Yeah. Surprise. <laughs> I dropped out after like a semester, man. I mean, like less than a semester. Really? But I did. Yeah, I did try to major in musical theater, but that's an incredibly competitive program. And at IU, historically racist. Not a lot of Black people get, or people of color at all, get into that program. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know a lot apply uh but yeah no um so I ended up having to do just you know major in regular theater instead but what became very clear was that I was just not um uh ready to do the college thing so uh I just ended up not staying for very long what was it by the college thing you mean like living on campus or classes or what what was the college thing that you think we were ready for being on my own, having to absorb all responsibility for getting my homework done, for doing my laundry, for waking up on time. I was not ready for that because I actually grew up in a very, very strict household and my my um, day and my routine was very uh, closely regimented and monitored. So there was really no um, middle ground and no like easing into like the complete and total freedom that came with, you know, living in a different um, city and, you know, having to do everything on my own. I was, I was just not prepared. I wasn't prepared and also was mentally in just like a really bad place. So just did, you know, didn't, didn't need to be there. Right. I mean, I was 18. My first roommate was 23. So they have an age gap there and video game major. Yeah, video game major too. So that was fun. 
and I was, and, I, and so, you know, I, when I was a younger kid, I was stealing, you know, soda after 10 o'clock and watching late night programming, AKA sports, uh, mm-hmm. thinking I was so cool, thinking I can do this and then get to college. I thought, oh, this is not what I want to do at all, you know? How, how old are you, Matt? Is that okay to ask? 24. I'm so nine, man. I thought you were older than me. <laughs> it's it's everything. I know. Yeah, it's the stash. It's the stash. It is the stash, and it's. But don't worry, I'm a borderline child. I have a borderline child personality. Gotcha. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, I'm going to join the Wiggles pretty soon. Um, Wait, I saw no, you interviewed a Wiggle. Yeah, I'm not. I'm really not. I just like to tell people I am, just because I like fruit salad and it's yummy, yummy um all the time haha <laughs> see what I did there uh yeah. yeah so okay so you did so after the whole Indiana University thing stopped um what was life after that did you have a night was theater something you wanted to do after or you at the time we just didn't know yet I just don't even know how like deep and nitty-gritty you even want to get but like I did um, up to you yeah I um I there was a bit of a hiatus. Yeah, there was a hiatus from theater after 2011. I was in a show with Bob Harbin Productions, um, Camp Rock, the stage version of Camp Rock. Um, I played the character of Peggy, the black one, and uh, <laughs> which I'm happy to do. I'm happy to play every black one. Just give me those roles. Um, but uh she uh, yeah that was the last play I did or the last time I was on stage until I went to the University of Indianapolis four years later mm-hmm. yeah no like three yeah so there was there was a there was a big hiatus there I I, I moved to Texas uh for a while stuck around there for a couple of years and then had like a like a major life overhaul and decided to you know try to get back into it so I, I um joined the theater program at the University of Indianapolis and that's great and what and your time how would you define your time there from when you went to University of Indiana oh so different oh Indiana University Indiana University pardon me yeah Indiana University and University of Indianapolis um so different I was 22 mm-hmm. yes as opposed to 18 so um four years of uh mistakes made and also lots of like personal growth I started meditating like crazy I started um yeah just like a full-on life and even like personality overhaul and I finally felt like I was ready to get back to it and I came in with a bang man I just it was like it was like, as soon as I started doing like even, well, the first show I did was Urine Town. And then I did um, some student directed productions and that was straight, just straight play. And people were just, they seemed to be very impressed with me in a way that I, I didn't quite understand. I was just kind of like doing what came naturally and people started to like me and then people started. And then I got the attention of a, um, the director Brian Fonseca who at the time owned the Phoenix Theater and is now deceased he he died of COVID unfortunately Mm -hmm. um and that was how I got my professional start 
So uh, the University of Indianapolis was really the, the catalyst to that um, started my professional acting career and made it so that I earned the equity points that I needed to earn to become a union member. That's, that's amazing. Um, and then, so Phoenix, and you, you go to Phoenix, so then you're doing a bunch of shows at Phoenix um, during that time. It was like Mr. Burns, and it was uh, uh, something who kissed at the sea. Um, Don Trell, who kissed Don, the sea. Don, I was in the world premiere of that. Now, he did workshop it at Indiana University, but I was in it, and, I, and now it's in a book. Is it really? Yeah, the world premiere. I've, I've been in, I think, three world premieres, actually, because that's what the Phoenix Theater uh, specialized in. So I've got my name in some books as a role originator. That's cool. Do you prefer world premiere plays or do you prefer adaptations of, like, well-known plays, musicals, stuff like that? I like new shit. I, I, thank, I like the new shit as well. Yeah, I like new shit. I like new playwrights. I, I, I love female playwrights, um, you know, playwrights of color, uh, non-binary playwright, all of that stuff. Just, yeah, I love reading about, you know, new, new perspectives. Right. What sort of theater then are you into? Is it just the weird shit then? I do love the weird shit, but I'm, I'm, I'm in, I, I do also love, you know, dramas. I, uh, dramedies, I think, and dark comedies are my favorite. The play that I wrote is a dark comedy. Um, but uh, I, I love straight dramas as well. And comedies are cool. I find myself to just generally be a humorous person, though I don't know when I am a, in a comedy, something that's supposed to be funny. I feel kind of, I don't know, pressured to be funny, right. which is not what you asked. You gotta, you're going to have to remind me of what you asked. Right. Like I was taking a comedy acting class at college and I was like, I like to think of myself as a naturally funny guy, not to brag about myself on my own podcast. Um, why not? Uh, this happens when my co-host isn't here. I just take control. Um, <laughs> no, we love them. Um, but anyway, so I, I'm doing this class and turns out, fuck it. It's very hard to be funny without being funny. You know, that's, mm -hmm. that was, that was the number one thing I found out. Like I, did fine in the class but and I but I didn't I walked away not actually enjoying myself because I thought well this is this stuff is hard to do is mm. uh like I can do drama and make choices I think oh that's dark or that's sad or that feels really good to me in a sad twisted way but if I'm supposed to make someone laugh and it's in the script it's odds are it's been done before you know mm. Yeah, yeah, that 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 reminds me of um, improv, or at least typical improv. It's uh, like, especially in New York, I don't know if this is the case in Chicago. I actually think it is because I know a lot of like really uh, big name comedians came out of Chicago. Um, but uh, in New York, it is definitely. Sorry, guys, don't come for me. It is a cult. They are so serious. They take themselves so freaking seriously. And I, I'm in an improv troupe. We have yet to um, start up performances again because they really, they really need to be in person, you know, for the, the type of stuff that we do. But we are going to start back up uh, next month, I believe. Uh, but it's, it's a lot more loosey goosey than like, like the pit and and the UCB or whatever. Yeah, um, they're they 
you know, a lot of the people involved in those, I mean, God bless them and they're dedicated to their craft and, and so many of them are so good at what they do, but it is taken so seriously that I just cannot get into it. Some people have suggested that I get into it and I attended a couple of like open mics or whatever. Um, but it was, it was just too regimented for me. Also, I don't agree with the whole running across the stage to end a scene thing. Uh, are you... <laughs> That's just such a specific thing that I'm like, wait, what? Oh, yeah, and scene. Okay. Yeah, and scene. Like that, there might be an in term for it, but all I all I know is that it's just someone running across because they decided that these people are done and they've right. got nothing left. It's to going say. nowhere, and we need to stop. Yeah, which right. sometimes true, but yeah, too many too many rules for me. I think. Yeah, it's real I, hard. Funny. Uh, is New York really all? I, I, we had, um, I went to a panel a couple when I was in college and David Cromer was there who directed Band's Visit and um, other shows. And he's from Chicago, but now lives in New York, won a couple Tonys. And I asked him, uh, no, my friend did. I said like, what's the difference between the Chicago theater life and New York, New York theater life? And he said, New York is a lot more fuck you. Uh, so in your opinion, is it a lot more fuck you or how would you describe the New York theater scene? New York theater scene, man. I mean, it depends on where you are. I have not, I've auditioned for Broadway shows, but I've not been in one yet. I've not even been off Broadway yet, but off, off Broadway. Sure. I can tell you about that. (laughs) (laughs) Independent theater. Sure. Um, Well, really, I personally only surround myself with kind people. So I don't deal with a lot of fuck you but i know as you start to to branch out you know people have their their different attitudes and their different way of doing things and you know you get you get um egos involved and you get you know schedules involved and like all of this stuff and like the hustle and bustle of the city and stuff like that i can totally see that because there is a general fuck you vibe in new york so i don't see why it wouldn't branch out into um the theater scene um but basically most of what i do and most of the work that I get comes from me just doing things that my friends have asked me to do. And then I end up making a cool connect from that because, oh, someone saw it and they reach out to me through my website or, you know, somebody, you know, they've got a mutual friend and they, you know, want somebody to be in like their short film or something like that. So I take a real easy does it go with the flow sort of approach to it and some people might not agree that that might not think that that's the best way to do it because you know there's there's a lot of value placed on the hustle I I started out in New York uh just three years ago uh with the hustle and um I I'm a tourist I'm quick we're quick to burn out uh, so I just and I was stressing out and I was doing that thing that they tell you not to do which is taking it personally and like getting like super disappointed when something didn't come through and I'm just like I cannot I cannot and when I sat back and I started to relax people started coming to me which is great for those moments you start you stopped thinking in your own head and just let and let the work come to you instead of you coming to the work. Yeah, and you do have to be okay with not working for a bit. I'm not saying that as soon as I relaxed, everything immediately fell into my lap, but you know, it's just little by little and gradual. Right. Right. I mean, 
I, I was a radio major and then switched to theater halfway through my time and then thought, oh, this is fine, but I really want to educate. Became an education minor as well. And then mm. I became this character actor who appears in two scenes or is a second banana in all shows. Uh, and now, and two-year-olds seem to like me for that. So it's possible. There's, there's no road that everyone has to follow, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I want to, what actually made you want to go to New York to sort of backtrack a little bit more too? Sure. Back, backtrack as much as you like. Um, so I've wanted to live in New York since I was very, very young, since as, as long as I could remember when I, since I discovered that Broadway was a thing. Uh, when I learned that that was in New York, I was like, okay, well, that's where I wanted to do. That's, that's where I want to go. That's where I want to live. You know, the, the theater thing and that, um, the, the theater scene and all of that. And, and that, that has remained, uh, a major reason why I wanted to move to New York. Um, more reasons came up as I got older, I became very, uh, aware of my just difference living in, uh, Indiana and Texas for a little while, just, just being aware that I, you know, I, and I was being othered all the time, you know, had my hair touched by just one too many drunk ladies, um, and was very much made to feel like I didn't belong. And I knew that New York, uh, was a place where everybody was different. And there's just so many different, um, ethnicities, nationalities of origin, you know, sizes. Mm. I, for the longest time, was the only person under five foot that I knew. Now you can't go anywhere without seeing a, you know, a grown person under under five foot, you know, in, in, in New York. Yeah, as soon as I learned that, I it, it became like even more of a mission. I think it was like two, two years of working, um, what was it three jobs? Yes, three jobs, and also doing very, very flexible jobs. Thank you to my uh, my previous employers for that. Uh, while also um, doing shows, which I was getting paid for, which is good, um, and just scrimping and saving and piling it all together um, so that I I could have a, a solid foundation um, in New York when I came up. Because I just, I just, I wanted to feel like I belonged and I fi I finally do. So yeah, it's a good place. To go a little psych psychological real quick. When you felt like when you, when you belonged finally in New York, do you mm -hmm. remember that moment or what, or that particular time when it happened? You know what is so crazy about my move to New York is that when I got that, when, when the my friend drove me there in the van full of my stuff and we finally arrived and we parked in front of the apartment I just nothing it, it was it was nothing I like what what whatever you would expect to happen like this big glorious I'm here moment it didn't come it was just Boom. I just started walking. I just started like I, I was already in step. It was like I had always been there mm. because it was my home and it came and it came so naturally to me. So when did I feel when did I feel that I belonged? When people 
when uh, I, I can't think of any one particular moment, but I remember that it really struck me when I was when I was treated just like a regular person and not like an oddity or something mm-hmm. to uh, stare at or make a comment about. Now people will catcall like crazy and they'll make you know weird comments because they're just there. There are a lot of very bombastic nutters in in New York, but it's different. It's different. They're they're doing it because they're nuts. Whereas where I'm from, it definitely felt like they were doing it like they were they would other me because I was just so weird because I was just so different looking that they had to make sure to point me out and, you know, show their friends. Hey, look, look at that. Like that's like, nope, nobody wants to deal with that. Nobody wants to feel like they're a a sideshow or whatever. But that's just what happens when you look so different from everyone around you. And so when I realized that people were just letting me be and I could just blend in with this beautiful, colorful, magical palette that is New York, you know, this this mosaic that is New York, that's, I think, when I felt I belonged. And it happened pretty quickly. That's great. Is it weird? Is it weird coming back even back to Indiana or your old home in general? I have uh, like you know I go back to my parents' place every couple weeks or months, and you know not to compare Chicago to a suburban in Illinois to where you are, but it always the time and it always it's weird going back because themes, conversations, people is not the same from where the, where you where. Um, you feel like you know you're to where you are now that kind of makes sense yeah for sure I mean it's it's definitely different it's like at least from what I'm experiencing it's it's miles different but primarily when it comes to (laughs) I mean most obviously nowadays when it comes to attitudes about like masking and distancing and stuff like that it's it's crazy different but um I actually uh in my this this recent visit that I'm doing right now have not spent a lot of time like out and about um because I don't feel safe doing that there are a lot of people not masking when I feel that they should be and I you know I don't know if those people are vaccinated or not you see people walking out without a mask because oh look at me I'm all protected because I'm vaccinated which is not true guys and also people who are unmasked who are uh, also unvaccinated uh, because they just, you know, for all the different reasons that they, that they could maybe have. Um, but yeah, it is, it is very different. I'll tell you what else is really different. There's a lot of space. Oh my God, there's so much space, uh, for anyone listening who's never been to New York, you know, definitely come visit, you know, after the pandemic, we don't really need that many, you know, tourists right now, but you know, after, after things, at least after things die down a little bit, but yeah, get ready. Cause there's like no space. Um, and, it, and, uh, you know, there is this, uh, misconception that I like to, I like to point out to people, um, that, you know, Batman's Gotham is based on New York, you know, and he's constantly running down alleyways and shit like that. There are no alleyways. There are no freaking alleyways anywhere. If you find one, hit me up and you can call me an idiot and tell me I'm wrong. But there are none. You know why? Because there's no freaking space. They have to occupy. They, it, every little square foot that's not a park needs to be occupied by something because there are so many people. And we are just, we're on top of each other. The apartments are small as hell. The grocery stores 
are small as hell. The aisles, you can't get a push cart through them. Here in Indiana, oh my God, we went to we went to Walmart, two push carts, two push carts going in opposite directions in the same aisle. So much friggin' space. Not in New York. No, no. If you use a push cart, I don't know where you got it. You're probably in in Target. You're probably um, a tourist, first of all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But everybody, everybody's got their reusable bags or the baskets that you have to hold that the that the um, grocery store provides to you. So what you're saying is, I'm not going to come for Broadway when I come to New York. I'm going to use a local convenience store and then come right back here and <laughs> be like, well, that was a waste of time. But hey, I got cheese or something, you know? I was talking about tourism. If you want to move to New York, for sure. I'm, I'm just going to come just for the stores and the shopping <laughs> carts. Not even for Broadway for coming back. That's great. It can wait. Meanwhile, not even for the oh, deals. Yeah. I want to come for the space in the aisles. <laughs> there's, no, there's no space, but yeah, no. I mean, when Broadway opens back up, it will be marvelous. I've, I've got tickets uh, to see six. And the Tina Turner musical um, with my grandmother. She's going to come to visit and it's going to be smashing. Uh, my only thing would be just like, be careful, guys. And please do not come up here and not be responsible. So this is where I get a little Wah! just because, you know, a lot of people are coming and they're coming from places where they're not taking the, the pandemic very seriously. And then they come up and they endanger New Yorkers. And that is what we really can't deal with because as you saw at the beginning of the pandemic, the shit spreads fast right. because there's no space and because we are on top of each other. And we've got, we're down to the mu variant right now. Apparently, if you're still talking about Delta, you're, you're way behind. It's mu now, guys. And, you know, the, when it comes, we don't know uh, but when it comes to like, vaccines how long they stay efficacious right. you know it just we got to stay safe and I would just I remember what COVID was like in the very beginning and I was and so many people were so terrified in New York and were so paralyzed it was insane and all I mean it's 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 not a lot, you know, not, not every place has had the same experience, but it spread so fast. And you kept hearing about the people, like people in your building who had died, you know, just people dropping like flies. And it's, it was a horrific experience. And we just, we can't go back there, guys. We can't even, we can't risk it. Right, right. We're close, but not out yet. Yeah, yeah. I'm waiting uh, for my booster. I know, same. I think I'm maybe a month away. I am overdue, actually. I got my shot. I got my second shot in late January. Wow. Good mm -hmm. for you. Thanks. Yeah. Um, why don't you like cheese? Why don't you like cheese? I was watching Wallace and Gromit last night as I was doing my research and saw that you don't like cheese. Um, why don't you like cheese? I don't know, Matt. I don't know, but it's just a thing that has always been. And I know 
that the majority of the population loves cheese. And this is made apparent by, you know, people just kind of saying it all the time by pizza being, being, being one of the most popular foods in America, you know, just cheese being on random things that I don't think is really necessary to put cheese on. And just, you know, and by, as also as evidenced by the people telling me that I have no soul because I don't like cheese. That's been said to me um, multiple times by multiple Multiple people as a joke, of course, and I do not take it personally because I I like jokes. Um, but yeah, I don't know why I don't like cheese. It's um, it's just it's and it's not that because let me preempt some questions. I'm not lactose intolerant. Here's okay. the thing, I am slightly, but I don't care when it comes to something I want to eat. If it's ice cream or a milkshake, I'll I'll get through it. You know, okay. it's not lactose intolerance. Also, I am not vegan. Um, I, I mean, I think veganism is great. There's a lot of good things, you know, for the earth and all of that and animals, but I'm not vegan. Um, I just, I love seafood too much. Uh, it's simply, and bacon, um, it simply just boils down to the fact that I find it disgusting, just utterly revolting. If I accidentally eat something that I didn't know had cheese in it, and it gets, oh, it's the worst when it gets in my teeth Ugh! because I can't swallow it. I can't swallow it because it's so revolting. I try to compare it to, God, I don't know if I'm allowed to get gross. But it. <laughs> okay, okay. So it's kind of like, and I know some people eat cockroaches, but it's kind of like, it's as disgusting to me as if somebody asked you to eat a live cockroach. That's how gross it is. Because I would not want to do either. I would want to do both equally not. That's not the right way to say it, but that's, I think they're just as gross. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I asked. Uh, <laughs> uh, speaking, speaking of gross, no, no, it's a bad segue. Let me try that again. Speaking of uh, outstanding and whatever words that came out that wasn't doing with cheese, uh, uh, we're, we're playing a game. It's called Time for Two. Two minutes on the clock. Two minutes of random icebreaker questions. No right, no wrong. I'm just curious to see what your opinion is. Okay. All right, are you ready? Yes. Oh, okay, great. Here we go. Uh, three, two, one, go, go. Why is Holes your favorite story? Um, brilliant storytelling, um, multi-layered, lots of different uh, perspectives and um, also really, really heartwarming and lovely. Favorite president? Fucking <laughs> Barack Obama, man. What? <laughs> uh, favorite food? Oh, um, Indian food. How much malarkey is a bunch of malarkey? How much malarkey is a seven? <laughs> <laughs> Um, if you can make, uh, what Disney movie best describes your life? What, what kind of movie? Which Disney movie best describes your life? Oh, Disney life? movie. Best describes my life? Yeah. Shit. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't think my life is like a Disney movie at all. God, maybe my childhood was kind of like Cinderella. Great. Uh, go to karaoke song. Oh, hand in my pocket. Uh, Alanis Morissette. Nice. Is there an eye in the sky? Um, not in the word sky, but 
in the sky, uh, there could be a cloud shaped like an eye. <laughs> Great. Uh, uh, ever been to abandoned buildings? Yeah, yeah. Favorite game show host? Oh man, uh, Alex Trebek. Nice. Uh, ACDC or The Wiggles? <laughs> uh, the Wiggles, because my brother used to listen to that, listen to The Wiggles all the time. Nice. Uh, favorite part of the human face? Oh, uh, mouth. Uh, if you could have a dinner with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be? Dolly Parton. And that's how we play time for two. Woo! All right, Peyton, my last question for you is, are your parents proud of you? Yes, I believe so. Awesome. Peyton, I can't thank you enough for the last hour of just being full of laughs and giggles and a lot of fun and always so many giggles my thanks to peyton chavez for coming on the show and you know it's episode six seven i don't know we've lost count at this point of our season four uh of this podcast you might be wondering where is griffin mccorgle is griffin still part of the show the answer is yes griffin has actually taken a new position on our show in addition to editing he is now the underminer for our show so Thanks, Griffin, for uh, keeping us underground. So, uh, if you want to listen to more podcast episodes of Are Your Parents Proud of You, you can find us on every podcast platform. Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, uh, YouTube, Yahoo, Amazon, the works. <laughs> uh, you can email us at parentsproudpodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at parentsproudpodcast. Next week, we got more hijinks, more artists. Hopefully, LJ will join us next week, but we'll find out then. So, till next week, I'm Matthew Schufreiter. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.